Some of you may know the name Tim Shaw. He's a radio talk show host in uh, in Britain. Fox News reported this story some time ago. I just read it this week. While he was working his uh, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. shift, Shaw apparently told the woman that he was interviewing on the air that he was willing to leave his wife and two kids for her. Minutes later, his wife, who had heard the comment, created an eBay auction for her her husband's car. (laughs) A Lotus Esprit Turbo. The auction page was almost completely blank except for a picture of the car and the following words. I need to get rid of this car immediately. Ideally in the next two to three hours before my cheating jerk husband gets home to find it gone and all his belongings in the street. I am the registered owner and I have the registration. Please only buy if you can pick up tonight. The car valued at the time approximately 70,000 U.S. dollars was listed with a buy-it-now price of 50 pence, approximately 80 cents. The the auction lasted exactly five minutes and three seconds before an anonymous buyer paid for it and drove it away. In a later interview with reporters, Mrs. Shaw said that she was sick of her husband disrespecting his family for the sake of his act. When asked about the price of the car, she said, I didn't care about the money. I just wanted to get him back. Of course she did. That is not an uncommon response to an event or a situation that that brings great pain, especially when that pain is caused by someone who is close to us, a dear friend, a family member. I recently read a couple of paragraphs from Elizabeth Edwards' book titled Resilience, the wife of the legally separated former U.S. Senator John Edwards. Listen to what she writes about her initial response to finding out about his affair. She says, after I cried and screamed, I went to the bathroom and threw up. And the next day, John and I spoke. He wasn't coy, but it turned out that he wasn't forthright either. So much has happened that it is sometimes hard for me to gather my feelings from that moment. I felt that the ground underneath me had been pulled away. I'm not sure that there is a greater pain that can be felt in all of life than to be betrayed by someone that we believed loved and cared about us as much as we loved and cared about them. In fact, it's that very pain that I think is expressed in our psalm this morning, Psalm 55, as we continue in our study of the psalms. As Todd, you mentioned we're turning our attention to the lament psalms this morning, a category that is referred to as lament. And as you would expect, they are pretty consistent with the name, the definition of lament To express grief for or about, to mourn, to lament a death, to regret deeply, to deplore, to to grieve audibly, to wail, you get the idea. Lament psalms are a crying out. They contain much grief and mourning. They're often full of some pretty highly charged emotions as well. 
they record the writer's heart crying out to God for deliverance from trouble and for pain. So we're going to stand together. We're going to read the first 14 verses from Psalm 55. And I'm going to ask you to listen closely for the heartfelt emotional expressions that David verbalizes in this psalm. Let's stand and read together, shall we? From Psalm 55. Together. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught at the voice of the enemy, at the stares of the wicked. For they bring down suffering upon me and revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away. And stay in the desert. Selah. I would hurry to my place of shelter. Far from the tempest and storm. Confuse the wicked, O Lord. Confound their speech. For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So you hear those last three verses? The psalmist changes the voice there. It's where we get a hint that that the pain of David's heart that he's expressing in this psalm has to do with the betrayal of a close friend. We, We don't know who we don't know what he doesn't specify we can we can speculate but he says if an enemy were insulting me i could endure it if a foe were raising himself against me i could hide from him but it is you a man like myself my companion my close friend oh the pain of betrayal by a close friend with whom he says I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. So not only a close friend, but it would appear that that this is someone that he had spent time worshiping God with. They had enjoyed spiritual communion. The great pain of betrayal by a friend who was so close. Do you know there are quite a few lament psalms, about 49 or 50 of them, depending on whose count you, uh, you go with. And as I've studied this week, looked at the lament psalms a little more closely, I keep coming back to this question in my mind. 
Why did God in his providence include the lament psalms in Scripture? Why did he make sure that these 49 or 50 heartfelt expressions, these laments, get recorded for his people to read for centuries and all over the world? Why is that? I think that's a good neighbor discussion question, don't you? I think you should turn to someone nearby and ask them their opinion. Why on earth did God make sure that all of these lament psalms are recorded in his word for us to read? Go ahead. See what your neighbor thinks. You've got the mic. All right. I think we're about ready. Okay. You ready? Jeff's got the mic so that we can all hear, of course, what your neighbor shared. Okay? So who wants to go first? What do you think? Why are the lament psalms here? Just give a quick raise and, and Jeff will run. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Craig. Is it working? Yep, you're good. Just hold it out away because it makes some funky sounds when you get it down like this. I think it, it's, for, it's honest in that if there were only praises in the Bible that people that are struggling are going to have a hard time getting there. But if they're seeing that there's struggles going on okay. throughout the Bible, they can get there themselves. Okay, good. Good thought. Good thought. Excellent. What else? Someone else. Nope. Grant, and then we'll come up to Lee. Go ahead, Grant. Well, just to show that there's nothing new under the sun either. Like, we shouldn't be surprised when that happens. Okay. So it's the same kind of thing. Identification, so we can identify. Good, good, good. I like that. Lee, it's on its way. Parking on the same theme. These are universal experiences. Mm. Human interactions are difficult because humans are difficult. And so we can relate to these. Yeah. And um, as my neighbor Donna said, that helps us um, relate to God and rely on God. Good. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Matt? It's good that God is my deliverer and that I don't take vengeance. So my justice would hardly be fair. It would be emotional, and it would only compound my problems and the problems of my family. Okay. To cast 
my cares and concerns, as little as they may be to my neighbor, they may be big to me, and they matter to God. And God is reminding us okay. that we are to cast our cares on him. Okay. Excellent. Cindy, you had your hand up back in the corner. My husband reminded me that um, lots of times we're told not to, you know, tell God our troubles. But when we see it written and they're crying out their troubles, their anger, their hurt to Mm, God, mm. it just reminds us that God wants all of that. All right. Good. Good point. Sort of permission giving. Diane, up here. Jeff, one more run. I think are um, definitely a validation by God that these feelings are, are legitimate and mm. that we're allowed to feel that way. But I think for anybody who's ever been in that situation, you read those psalms and they are therapeutic. You wind up, you wind up pouring your own heart out through the same words and crying those, those same words Good. to God. So Good. I think it's really interesting that mm. His word is therapeutic. Mm-hmm. It helps you to grieve mm-hmm. when you face losses like that. Good. Good stuff. Jim. (laughs) I was thinking of the aspect that uh, God hears these laments and he values them. Mm. Values them enough to make space for them in the the book. And it it tells us that he knows the pain of living a human life in a fallen world. Good, good, good. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Oh, you guys are just right on the mark. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for uh, running the mic around. Uh, you know, uh, here's, here's, a, here's a thought or a spin on it, if you will. I think that kind of similar to what Cindy mentioned back there, that, that generally speaking as Christians, I, I think, again, just generally, and this is some of my, my growing up, some of the, the, the baggage that I have carried along with me to my adult Christian life. We struggle with negative emotions and feelings uh, that, that we experience as, as a result of the, the pain, as Jim said, of, of living in a fallen world. And, and what I mean by struggle is that we're not quite sure what to do with them. Uh, you know, happiness... Joy, a sense of well-being, feeling positive and encouraged, that's not a problem. Those are good, and and we we celebrate those. We even turn those into moments of worship. But disappointment, discouragement, feelings of depression, anger, resentment, what do we do with those? We don't. We don't know really because, because we're not even sure that we're supposed to, to have those feelings as spirit-filled, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Did you ever sing that little ditty when you were in Sunday school? Those of you who have grown up at the church as I did, I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. But the problem is it doesn't stay. The problem is 
But sometimes it gets replaced with feelings of, of anger and, and, and resentment, even, even hatred, as, as awful as that is, to admit they surface. Somewhere along the way, to becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, we are taught that, that Christians should not experience those kinds of powerful emotions, or at least if they are mature in Christ, they will not. I remember hearing an interview with, with Ruth Graham years ago, late wife of Dr. Billy Graham. The interviewer was, was asking her about her marriage to Dr. Graham and their years together. And it was really a fun and informative interview. And they got onto the topic of five small children that she raised pretty much on her own as Dr. Graham traveled all over the world. And the interviewer, you know, obviously she alluded to some things that were hard. And the interviewer asked her, he said, he said, Mrs. Graham, did you, did you ever consider divorce during those years? It's quiet for a moment. No, never divorce, murder several times, <laughs> but never divorce. Cute lady. And if we, if we are honest, we must admit to a struggle with powerful, negative Emotions that, that beset us from time to time. And the ones that I think that we struggle the most with are those that come as a result of being wounded by someone who is close to us. Someone who is a friend, someone who is a family member, someone who has betrayed us, someone who, as I said earlier, we thought that they loved and cared about us as much as we loved. And care about them. Here's the point. I think the Psalms, as many of you alluded to earlier, I think the Psalms of Lament are preserved in Scripture to provide us with some relief and some instruction. They provide us with relief in the knowledge that the hurt and the pain that we feel is not unique. It is a part of the human condition. Even people like King David, described often in the Scriptures as a man after God's own heart, struggled with powerful, even violent emotions when he was wounded by others. We're going we're gonna to see that in more detail in a few weeks together as we, we look at what one person calls a category of, of imprecatory psalms. That is, get them, God! We won't look at that this morning, but we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But to feel hurt and pain, to feel the anger, to feel the resentment that can follow that stuff, it's, it's human. We were made to feel. And we feel deeply. And I really believe there is, is no greater pain in life than to be turned on or betrayed by someone that, that you love dearly, that you have trusted. You know, just ask the kids who are part of Royal Family Kids Camp every year about the pain of betrayal by a family member. Someone who's not supposed to do that. 
As we've talked about many times, being created in the image of God makes us relational people. God is a relational God. And so the longing that we have for, for healthy, satisfying, safe relationships comes from being made in His image. And I, I think that's the reason that those wounds from those that we love and trust hurt us so deeply. It's not the way it's supposed to be. I was having a conversation with some friends a while back, and they were asking me about a situation from a few years ago in my life where I really felt like I'd experienced what felt a whole lot like betrayal by a friend. I was really surprised when this came up at how fresh the wounds felt. It was a little like salt was being poured into that wound again, and, and I didn't even know it was there. It was, it was under the surface. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not dealing with it. And all of a sudden, it's, it's stinging as some of those emotions come flying back again. You been there? And here's the thing that, that I think really stunned me as I was thinking about this conversation with these, these friends that sort of resurrected this wound. Later on, I realized that, that there was this need inside of me to have my feelings justified. Does that make sense at all? That, that sort of, boy, that, that was a bad situation. Poor me. I, I was treated unfairly. Just not right. And, and, I'm, and I'm feeling a little justified by the hurt, uh, or, or as a result of the hurt, I'm feeling a little justified that, 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 that these friends are on the same page with me. Like, come on, guy. You really, you really feel that way. If, if, if the lament psalms are instructional, they provide relief because we understand that we're not alone in these feelings. If they are instructional, here's what we can learn from them. Two take-home lessons this morning. And the first one is precisely what I did not do in my own situation. Lesson number one, cry out to God in your pain. Cry out to God in your pain. And, And I mean specifically, purposely to Him, cry out to Him before you cry out to anyone else. And, and, Maybe, maybe not even cry out to anyone else. These are lament psalms. Take your lament to God rather than someone else. Again and again and again. As often as necessary. Let me read again for you David's address to God. Right at the beginning of the psalm that we read together. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me. Answer me. 
There's some intensity here. David takes his pain straight to God and he's not bashful about it. He says, he says, my thoughts trouble me and I am distraught. Verses 16 and 17 that that we didn't read together follows right after what we finished up. He says, but I call to God and the Lord saves me. Listen to this evening, morning and noon. I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He states confidently that the Lord hears him. Do we do that? Or, or is, that, is, is there that sense of, you know, we've, we've all experienced sharing a difficult situation with someone, and if they don't say it, we can read it on their faces, they're tired of hearing about this. And I think that we can, whether we realize it or not, sort of put that on God and our resistance to, as David says, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, I cry out to him. You know, there's that sense of, you know, God's up there going, well, you know, you've talked about this eight times already this week. None of that. None of that in this psalm, none of that in David's confidence that, that God hears him. There's not that sense of, well, he's tired of hearing from me. I think it is possible that some things hurt, as, as David expresses here, so deeply that they keep surfacing in our lives. And each time that they surface, we must take it to the Lord. We must take it to Him. I'm more inclined to take it to someone else. Wrong solution. The Lament Psalms give us permission to go there as often as we need until we have found the healing and and the relief that we need that only God can give. But, you know, here's, I think here's a, a kind of a subtle but harsh truth. There's something in our fallen nature, okay, it's something in my fallen nature, probably not yours, that wants sympathy from others. We want someone to know our pain. We want someone to understand that pain. We want someone to validate that pain so that we can feel a little bit better about perhaps holding on to that pain. And our tendency is to tell someone else first, particularly someone who has our back. I realized this week, how many times through the years have I done this to my wife? Bless her soul. I have turned to her first and not to the Lord. She's my best friend. I can tell her anything. The irony is she can't do anything about it. She can't do anything about the healing that needs to take place in my heart. As amazing as she is, she doesn't have that ability. Here's a novel idea. Why not go to the one who doesn't tire of listening to our hurting hearts and can also bring about change? Why not tell him only? I don't know if that's what David did, but it sure seems to me to be an excellent idea. We must take our pain to God first. 
take it to God first before we take it to anyone else. And perhaps we'll find out that it is only him that we take our pain to. Second lesson. Be honest about the extent and the intensity of your feelings. Wow, I think this is powerful. Not only must we take our pain to God first, but we must be right out there with how we feel. And for some of us, that's very difficult because, again, we've been taught along the way somewhere that we should not have certain kinds of feelings. No doubt about it, there are a lot of feelings that we have when we have been wounded by someone. Those feelings aren't healthy, they're not productive, they're not godly, but they are real. And when they spring up in our hearts, and they do, what do we do with them? Well, if we're not supposed to have them, for Pete's sake, then we're kind of a panic situation. I'm not supposed to have this. As a mature follower of Christ, I shouldn't feel these things. But, but the reality is that oftentimes they do exist. So, so do I ignore them? Do I, do I pretend that they're not there? Do I not admit and express them to the one who knows they're there anyway? It's kind of a joke, isn't it? You know, I, I come to God with my pain and I clean it up because I don't want to offend him. I wonder if it's a greater offense trying to cover it up as if he doesn't know. I think we need to be honest. We need to face them. We need to spell them out honestly so that we open our hearts to his healing work. Think of the times that I've, that I've hidden things from the Lord and finally it just dawns on me. Get it out because he knows it anyway. And it's almost as if I can hear a voice from heaven that says, now we're getting somewhere. Now, finally, you're owning it. Admit to God the sometimes unimaginable emotions that fill our hearts and let his cleansing and refreshing love Wash over our hearts. Listen again to David, verses 4 through 8 that we read together. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and I would stay in the desert. He uses very powerful words there. My thought is, he's the king for crying out loud. The most powerful man in the kingdom. What does he have to fear? Chosen and appointed by God. How does a king feel those emotions? Fear, trembling, horror. Come on, David. Honest expressions of the wounded heart before his God. Are we honest in the extent and the intensity of our feelings to God? In closing this morning, here's a little language nuance that I think is so fascinating. David's desire to fly away says, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I'd blow this joint. 
Oh, man, you ever feel that way when you're facing that pain, when you're facing that that resentment, when you're facing that anger, that deep wounding? How many times do we just want to flee a painful situation? Just not face it. Somehow, if I can just ignore it and get away from it, I don't have to deal with it. I think this is fascinating. The Hebrew word for dove is the same word of the name of a prophet who tried to get away from an assignment that God had for him. Is that fascinating? You remember Jonah? Go to Nineveh and preach the good news. And Nineveh says, there is no way I'm going to those scumbags. God says, yeah, yeah, you're going to face it. Eventually, you're going to face it. I thought, how fascinating that... That God would not allow Jonah, whose name means dove, to flee from the pain and the circumstances that he needed to face in order to grow a healthy heart. David wanted to flee. God would not allow him to flee the anger and the pain in his heart. Neither will he allow us to flee the wounds that are put there by people. We must take them to God first. And we must be honest about the extent and the intensity that's there. So let's stand together this morning. And I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up as we all stand. And as we've done a couple of times together, reminder that that these psalms were were used as, as worship, instructive for the people of Israel. What I'd like to do is I want to I want to speak the words of verses 16 and 17 and I want you to speak them back to me. Here we go. I'll just do it one sentence at a time. Think about where we've been and think about the application of this truth to your life. But I call to God And the Lord saves me. me. Do you believe that? Let's say that again. But I call to God. God. And the Lord saves me. me. Evening, morning, and noon. noon. I I cry out in distress. And he hears my voice. 